welcome back to the Please Be Seated podcast, Monty Python Week. I'm joined today by Robert and Alice. Could you briefly introduce yourselves for people who may not have been listening so far this week? I guess I'll go first. Uh, I'm Robert. Uh, I'm a podcaster. I have a bunch of podcasts currently. The Room Minute, Annihilation Minute, and Mandy Sucks Minute are my Movies by Minutes shows. And I guest star on a lot of stuff like this. It's fun. (laughs) Hi, I'm Alice. And I'm not a podcaster, but I've been guesting on a lot of different movie podcasts, music I just talked about, I think was Weezer on a different podcast, um, and just love, you know, doing, doing comedy and guesting on podcasts. New hobby. So today we're discussing Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, what were either of you's ex- ex- first experiences with the film? I realise a lot of this is probably going to be quite similar for each episode, but I thought I shall ask. Do you either have any memories of either seeing the film or people talking about it or whatnot? Yeah. People talked about it long before I ever saw it, because I had friends who had seen it. And I think as a teenager, I think I watched it on cable. And only part, only like half of it. It was like the second half, and then it took a while. I had to go rent it and watch the rest of it. So it... It hasn't been that long, and I did go see it when it was in theaters a few years ago, and that was cool. Yeah, I mean, I so I have have been doing improv comedy for a long time, and then I, I do stand up comedy as well. But I started in improv, and I thought, well, you know, I might as well kind of do my my improv education, so to speak, and and you know, see see this movie, and I saw it, I think a few years ago. Um, so this is my second time watching it and what were your first impressions on it for both of you when you first saw it uh, I, I don't quite remember it I didn't I, I, I feel like I, I didn't really like it to be honest um, which hasn't really changed so much after watching it again today <laughs> okay. to be honest and I'll kind of expand on that later but yeah I remember not really being a fan of it I, th- I think I've liked it more each time I've watched it because as I become more familiar with it, its weird structure doesn't bother me as much. I think originally it was kind of odd because I hadn't seen the beginning of the movie that first time. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then it's this thing that doesn't quite have a plot, but it does. And it's a it's an odd structure to it for, for a movie. But it also knows that it doesn't have a plot, right. which I think is the, the next step. But yeah, I... Um, I, I feel it's like one of the weaker ones of the Python films, and I know a lot of people would really disagree with me on that, because I know lots of people love Holy Grail, and I think it's still incredible, and you can really see how they got past the small budget they had mm-hmm. um, in some incredible ways. I mean, like the Coconuts for Horses, <laughs> for example. Like that, that was just a budgetary issue. They couldn't get animals, so they just decided to, to work around it, and... One of my favourite things is, and um, we'll discuss this more later on, is the effect when they're all getting like flung before the, uh, the ones who aren't on the bridge. Yeah. Um, and I was watching a behind the scenes on that, and they're genuinely just crouching for the entire scene, and then they stand up, huh. and that's all it is. And I was just thinking that's sort of, you know, an incredibly sort of innovative way oh. of doing it. And so I, that that's what I I sort of like it for. But I feel like Life of Brian and Meaning of Life are stronger films. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. For two different reasons, though, I think. Um, I mean, we already talked, we already recorded our thing about 
meaning of life, but it has that structure problem, but that is an anthology sort of movie. It's made that way. And so it works. And then I think Life of Brian works because it has a plot and a story and then puts all this other stuff on it really nicely. Like, it is really, we'll talk about that when we talk about that in another episode. But I, lo- I love the writing of that one because all the parts don't seem separate. But I also feel like Holy Grail, to me, was most iconic one. Like I was watching it. Oh even, yeah. I don't. Rem- I don't remember. Yeah. Very, like I can say. I didn't. I feel like I didn't like it. You know, back then. But I don't really remember it very, very well. But even like watching it as, as I was just watching it today, and I was like, oh, that's where we get that quote from. That's the sw- the unladen swallow thing. Mm-hmm. That's this quote. That's this meme. That's this. You know, things. So, so that was just very, very cool to kind of see. Well, Even if I'm not laughing out loud, those are the yeah. iconic, you know, pieces of culture. And it's possibly why it's the only one that's successfully become a musical. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was thinking, like, compare, say, the Knights Who Say Knee uh, mm-hmm. scenes to, like, their debate about whether they're the People's Front of Judea or the Judean People's mm-hmm. Front. That discussion about their political labels is hilarious but it's not something that the average moviegoer is going to remember no like every time i watch life of brian i forget about that and find it as hilarious every time which is brilliant to have something new but you need to also have the thing that you you remember that draws you back into rewatching it and um but Holy Grail was the first Python film I saw, but as soon as I discovered the others, like it's the one I've revisited the least. So yeah. I felt like I didn't I didn't know so much about this film um when I was watching it this time round mm-hmm. the others I sort of rewatch maybe once or twice a year, but this one I I must have been at least 2 years since I've seen it. And so I'm I think I appreciate it more than I did um like the last time I saw mm-hmm. it, but I didn't appreciate as much as I did the first time I saw it. So I don't know how that all works, but there we go. Yeah, it's almost like I don't like it, I revere it. <laughs> um, so we open with um, <laughs> the normal credits with foreign subtitles, yeah. which I think is just brilliant. Because uh, that I forgot about. And I remember the first time watching it thinking, like, I think I actually went through the subtitles on the DVD or something and being like, hang on, what's <laughs> what's happening here? And... Cause, and I think that's sort of an, an extra added feature which you wouldn't have had, you know, when it was theatrically released, but sort of a little annoyance that I think probably several people who've watched it either on DVD or on VOD or whatever, like, possibly start wondering if there's something wrong with their TV. Yeah, mm. yeah, I completely forgot about that, and was when I was watching it yesterday. I'm like, oh my god, what is going on? And it was and it was funny because it's this weird thing about a moose. <laughs> Like, what is going on? Yeah. I mean, it was it was cute, but then I was like, oh, this is going to be a lot of dad humor, <laughs> you know? And I just thought of the, like, no, I was like, oh, this is going to be dad jokes, kind of this baby boomer humor, as I call it. And, you know, <coughs> so I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, Moose, really? Oh, my gosh. What a sense of humor these people have. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's like the sort of age which the internet had of the whole like oh lol random you yeah know, it's just exactly oh, it's, yeah which which is only funny to an extent and i'm glad that it that python put a level of sort of intellectual behind their random nonsense humor yeah. 
uh, which I think is why a lot of people enjoy most of their films. One, uh, I don't know if you have the special edition DVD, but I, apparently there's a different film starts when you press play. Something about a dentist, and then a guy comes on and says, sorry, oh, the yeah. wrong film's on, and it changes back. Like I've never seen that because I don't have the DVD. But I read that, I'm like, that's that's actually kind of funny too. I had that on one version of the DVD I had, but I actually ended up selling that and buying the Python box mm. set, and it doesn't seem to be in the box set, because I was wondering about the dentist thing when I was seeing it, because um, I thought it was a bit like, with, I thought it was just another short film, like with Meaning of Life, yeah. um, and I quite possibly skipped it the first time <laughs> I saw it, so I have no idea whether I've seen all of the dentist one, I just have memory of there being one. Yeah. Apparently, no, it's just um, a joke, it, it starts and then someone comes in and says, oh, I put on the wrong film. And they well, yeah, I, I just I just read some like in a in a movie theater they they play, they they played it and like the projector broke or something and everyone started laughing and thinking it was part of the movie but it was really <laughs> an actual bomb scare oh. like it was and they were like nope we have to evacuate like oh okay <laughs> that's that's like the whole um, Tommy Cooper thing were you guys aware of uh, the British comedian Tommy Cooper no no. He, um, I mean, he was, like, hilarious. And he did comedy mixed with magic back in the 70s. Mm. And he d- and they were known for magic tricks going wrong. And he did this invisibility cloak, and he put it on top of him, and he collapsed, and he died on stage in front of all these people. Yeah. And they were in stitches thinking it was a joke. Okay, I have heard of that. I didn't know the guy's name. Yeah. yeah. Um, but actually, he said in interviews years before that he wanted to die making people laugh. Oh. So I think that's sort of incredible to an extent but i mean i'm pretty sure it was like televised live and stuff like you can find it on youtube wow. but i think it's incredible that he actually managed to die making people laugh mm-hmm. um i don't know what it was that killed him i assume it was probably a heart attack or something but if anyone if you ever get a chance like for any sense of sort of british comedy mm-hmm. he's just brilliant and often there is sort of borderline dad jokes but some of his stuff is also hilarious like i remember there was one like even partway through a shoe said oh i've got a pain right here and then he pulled out a glass pain from under his <laughs> shirt and it's just and um a lot of his magic tricks were just really stupid um oh i think he had like he had like a red a red ball and the blue ball and he put them in a bag and said i'm going to do magic things and he said here you go see the blue balls turn red and the red balls turn blue <laughs> it's just oh he's he's he was great anyway Monty Python, that's what we're talking about. Although the same era of comedy, so I can pretend it was slightly different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then we move on to the Llama credits. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, which, I didn't remember that either. And I love the fact that they actually changed the names of people as well. Yeah. Which I thought was brilliant. And I think they've done that in Flying Circus and some of their end credits as well. Um, and I always think it's really brave of pe- uh, people and comedians to like change the credits. Um, like with uh, Charlie Kaufman's adaptation, when he mm-hmm. when he credited his fictional twin yeah. brother for co-writing, he won that. awards along with a made-up person. <laughs> I didn't know that, but that's quite. Yeah. Um, so I always think that's quite brave when they you know make a move and change the credits, change the part of the film that only a few people are actually paying attention during. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. Uh, then we got the coconuts, which we sort of already talked about. Mm. Um, and then they have the discussion about swallows carrying coconuts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is like, of course, that's the way to start the film. And what I find interesting um, is that throughout all of this film, um, Graham Chapman, I think we might discuss this on Meaning of Life, Graham Chapman 
was an alcoholic and they had yeah. to shout every line to him before he said it oh. and there are a couple of points in this film where I noticed a lot of sort of angle changes but after each line and I was thinking you know maybe that's why but a lot of it I think is pr- practically unnoticeable one for part of it he was an alcoholic who didn't have alcohol because they were too far away yeah. from towns yeah. for some of their filming <clears throat> and I know that this this castle where they filmed on actually now give people coconuts and they can like go outside and like recreate stuff. Oh, cool! Bring out your dead. I think is a great scene, which is next. Um, was this a reference a- to something? Because I was just trying to think, like, because I've heard obviously the phrase "bring out your dead," but I don't know, like, I, like I mean, was the joke just that they were piling the dead on? But like it, historically, it was something else. I was, I was like, I, I know I'm missing some sort of historical reference right now, and I can't put my finger on it. I think it was just during the plague that they just had yep. people collecting dead bodies. Like a debt collector, um, but a dead collector, maybe, yeah. Yes, and it was also a problem in uh, mainland Europe. It's part of problems the Catholic Church had is because a lot of priests didn't want to come collect dead people and deal with funerals because they thought that it was contagious. Right? And so it actually affected the relationship between, like, peasants who worked the land and local religious leaders and affected, like, church history coming up after it, which was really cool. Hmm. The plague is fun. Oh, yeah. You get into details about it. <laughs> and he's, he's not dead He's not dead yet. And I, just, I mean, and then that played no. on throughout the whole, well, he's not dead yet. I'm okay. I'm, so, I'm currently studying the plague as part of my GCSE, so that will definitely be... Helpful as long as I don't get it mixed up with the Python scene or something. And <laughs> there's a in Spamalot. There's a song. I'm not dead yet. I can dance and I can sing. I'm not dead yet. I can do the Highland Fling. And there's a whole uh, song and dance there, which um, I was kind of. I'd listened to the soundtrack possibly more than I'd seen the film. Uh, the soundtrack for Spamalot. So I, I, I almost part expected the, the song to be there, and that was a slight disappointment. But. It's a, <laughs> Um, Spamalot's brilliant because it sort of mixes a lot of other Python references in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I went to see an amateur production of Spamalot. I think I discussed this in Meaning of Life as well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we've then got Arthur speaks to the old women about the monarchy. <laughs> that's that's one of those parts of this movie that's what surprisingly memorable considering it's another complicated like political yeah. thing. But I love like strange, strange women lying in ponds distributing swords. There's no basis for a form of government, for a system of government. Uh. Eric Idle and Terry Jones. I just forget that they're men dressed as women. Like I get so invested into it, and I just completely forget. Um, like you know, I think that's the great thing about some of the Python films. Eventually, you just stop going. Oh, that's so and so, or that's so and so, and they're just. Well, yeah, they like, play so many people. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> So sometimes you, I'm actually been sitting there for about maybe the best bit of a minute trying to figure out which Python it is in which part. Um, I mean, some of them it's really obvious, but other ones it's sort of is it or is it someone else? Or but yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't know their their faces well enough, so I'm just like I, you know, I'm, I mean, there was one that looked very <coughs> familiar, but yeah, I was like, who are, who is who in that? Yeah, one? I think. Yeah. Being American and less familiar with them, like I know Eric Idle on site, I know John Cleese on site because he's been in a lot of American films, mm-hmm. but 
sometimes the others, I'm like, wait, which one's that? And then I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the next scene, he's going to be playing someone else anyway. It took a while for me to get used to recognizing each of them, and it's possibly because of the books and the interviews, and I watch a lot of documentaries and stuff. Mm. Yeah, that would that help. slowly recognize them. And then we've got um, the Black Knight, which is, I think, possibly <laughs> the most famous scene from this film, and possibly from almost all of Python. I didn't find it anywhere near as funny as the other times I've seen it. I think it's just because I've seen it everywhere in pop culture now. Yeah. Uh, which I think is, is great to an extent, but it does sort of take the comedy out of the scene a bit. Uh, and they they really did me. fight then. Was, was that the, the scene, I think? Yeah, where they didn't even want like stunt people to do it. They were like, nope, nope, we're going to really <laughs> fight this one out for real. I was trying to figure out for a lot of it as to like, how it was done. For yeah, that, it was a one-legged one like, stunt, one stunt person, and then they dug a hole. Yeah, one-legged guy for part of it. And the fact that it does transition so easily to, you know, the legs being cut off. Or going, and it just looks so good. I forgot how good it looked. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it is sort of the low budget that the Pythons did have for this film and for a lot of their TV series is sort of hope for a lot of amateur filmmakers and low budget indie films or whatever that you can you can make something incredible on a really low budget. Yeah. Yeah. But then weren't, I mean, there was, it was Genesis, other bands that were... Pink Floyd, that was what I was thinking. Pink Floyd as well. Yeah, Floyd. We're kind of donating to their their budget, so it's, it's also amazing that they... I, I mean, it was, it was low budget, but they still got such a budget from these big groups. I mean, Life of Brian's funded by George Harrison. Right, exactly. Yeah. I was <laughs> going to say, yeah. Yeah. And actually, I've seen so many other films since under the Handmade Films name. I think he did Whitnell and I... And a few others that, you know, it's just like actually quite a few reasonably memorable British films are from George Harrison's company. Oh, I didn't even know he had a company. Interesting. I, thought, I was like, oh, I bet that's all. Not one and done, obviously. I mean, they're huge fans. That's why they do this. But interesting. He pawned out his house mm -hmm. for Life of Brian, which I huh. thought was incredible um, and very brave. <laughs> I mean, I know he's got, it's George Harrison, I'm sure he's got plenty of money, but for him to pawn his house for it, yeah. I thought it was quite, quite a brave move. Yeah. Um, so then we've got um, the witch trial yeah. with, um, <laughs> I think it's John Cleese's second wife who plays the witch. Mm -hmm. Connie Booth, she was in. I don't Haughty know which Stowers wife, yeah, yeah, it's his wife. wife. I think he's got like seven now, I'm not oh, certain. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have to watch that again I'm, because I, I'm hearing that they were like bite, you know, biting. Was it, Eric Idle was biting his scythe to keep him laughing, and they were laughing. I need to like watch this kind of that scene again. Oh, is this the scene where they were having trouble, corpsing and having so much trouble? Yeah. Well, there's some great stuff in that scene. That like, uh, she turned me into a newt. That's my favorite line. <laughs> I got, I got line better. Line of the movie. <laughs> she turned me into a newt. Oh, I, I got thought... better. <laughs> I thought Cleese had a lot more wives than he did. It says here only four, and I swear there were more Ugh. I've heard before. Mistresses. So. Maybe he married three of them twice. It could be, actually. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Uh, but Connie Booth is listed as his first wife, so I'm wrong about that as well. Let's just ignore mm. all of this. <laughs> right? 
Um, but yeah, she was in uh, Faulty Towers with him. I don't know. Does, does Faulty Towers make its way across the pond? I don't know. I think the only time I saw the original Faulty Towers, I was in England at the time, so I don't know. <laughs> we did, There was a remake here that really sucked. It didn't last a few episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know how you could do an American remake of Faulty Towers. Poorly. <laughs> Who was in it? Uh, let's see, where is it? see it now maybe they renamed it too mm. i'm just googling american faulty towers um pain it was called um and it, they've got nine episodes listed john larroquette okay that's what i was thinking it was 3.8 out of 10 on imdb so i can see that it's and yeah it wasn't al- good already from the picture that comes with it it looks like they've got the complete wrong tone for the style but i mean faulty towers was just i think it was one of the films that the pythons were doing they were all working together and they just stayed in this really horrible hotel where john cleese just spent his all the other pythons left and john cleese says hang on i've got an idea i'm going to stay at this hotel and write a sitcom (laughs) um and so i thought that was quite interesting but anyway uh i really liked the the witch scene and the fact that the duck thing sort of works in the end <laughs> I forgot about that she just goes okay, okay fair cop and then just goes yeah I love that she's okay with it once it once it works she's like yeah fine because <laughs> it's, it's just how great that they really show how flawed their logic is and then suddenly it makes mm-hmm. sense I think <laughs> yeah I really could not I follow at the end I'm like alright so ducks and alright like, like at first you know it was it was fine, and then it was just like wait wait wait, <laughs> trying trying to keep up. Right, so then we've got um, the Camelot song. Yeah, and it's, is... and Patsy's only line. It's only a model. Yeah. I didn't realize like where Patsy went until until late. I'm like wait a second, I didn't until I read that that was the only line. Yeah, that was good. There are some. There's some really odd rhymes in the song. Oh like, yeah, <laughs> I have to push the pram a lot. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, obviously, ham and jam and spam a lot was where spam a lot came from. Yeah. with a mix of that and the the spam sketch um, from Flying Circus. But I think only the Pythons can get away with all of this. Yeah, it's like as I'm describing it, it it feels like something that we'd like mention as a flaw like on for example on your the room minute podcast you know half of yeah. these things you'd sort of be like oh you know it doesn't work and somehow i feel like it it does work and alice feel free to disagree considering you didn't really well, enjoy it <laughs> my, my favorite rhyme was the uh, i have to sing was sing from the diaphragm a lot yeah was, but it's it's good because the song's stupid but then arthur's like no nah, let's not go there so it, it's like oh we're okay it's okay if we think it's stupid <laughs> Because they didn't go yeah, anywhere. No, I, yeah. I love the song. I that song. All I could think during that song was it solidified just how gold all of these. I mean, all of these songs that you know that we've heard are. I mean, just. I mean, after the bright side of, of life, you know, song that I listened to yesterday, you know, life of Brian. I mean, these songs are just such gold. I, I loved it. And I think the the my one of my favorite things about Spam a lot is that. 
they've got their Finland song from Flying Circus, and in a very similar style to this, it opens with "For this is England," and then they sing the Finland song, and then he <laughs> said, "No, I said England," and they just all walk off. Well, <laughs> hmm. I think stuff like that once again it just wouldn't work without and I, I'd be intrigued to know what someone who hadn't seen Monty Python and what their style is what their idea is of the spam a lot and, mm-hmm. and whatnot, and whether whether it works or not without the previous knowledge I, I always um, find it great when whenever I hear people talking about Monty Python to someone else and someone assuming that it's one person. I know I did it for a while. It was like, okay, so which one of them's Monty Python? No. You know? mm-hmm. they, they were going to have another... Like, there, there were a few different names they were going to come up with for Python. I can't remember what they were either. I suppose these are all conversations for the Day 5 episode whenever we do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More than now. Um, then we have... Um, that God speaks to Arthur and asks him to seek the Holy Grail. Um, then we've got the French at the castle, which I think is pretty memorable. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and the, the book saying how all the, the knights kind of came together, kind of like, the, all right, let's speed it up. Oh, yeah, the book yeah. of the film. The book of the yeah. film. Yeah. And what I quite like with the, with the French, though, is the... Is this the whole thing where it's like, we'd like to invite you on a search for the Holy Grail. Oh, we've already got one. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, hey, the French guy is awesome, and then so many of his insults are so complicated. I'm like, I wish I, I, wish I could remember yeah. them word for word. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I, I need to copy the script in front of me. Oh I always remember your mother was a hamster in your father. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. I think that's the exactly. Main, the main one. Um, but then it's like I clear my nostrils in your direction, I, or something. And, like. I, and I fart in your direction, oh, yeah. and yeah. the son of a, well, of a window empty... washer. I'm like, I, there's yeah. some of these I need to and look up. An empty-headed animal food trough wiper. Mm. I'm like, that's a good one. Yeah, wiper of little butts. Or, it was so great. Yeah, it was later, but yeah, like he's he's good. And, I can't and the way his gloves hang off. Um. And then we've got... Ah, I've just lost my notes on my phone. Hang on. Right. Then we've got the um, Trojan rabbit, where they forget to go in. Well, the cow <laughs> first, oh, but yeah. 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 The rabbit. Oh, yeah, the first, Who yeah. goes in? <laughs> I like the fact that you've got Terry Jones's characters like explaining the entire thing. And he just doesn't twig for the... And I think that I think that's brilliant. Um, and then we've got... Uh, the famous historian. Yeah, Frank. <laughs> History for schools. Take eight. I do just love the idea that he, that like somehow, it's happening at the same time. Like time is mm-hmm. sort of relative in this world. It's just. Um, yeah, the narrator's there at the time. Now, why do they kill him? <laughs> I understand it's funny and it sets up later, but there is no reason they need to just kill the guy standing there talking. <laughs> One of my favourite things is the fact that I've watched so many of these really boring history for school type videos <laughs> that it just sort of really sort of resonated as this does feel like the video that we. And the... I can't remember if there was one that was really interesting. I can't remember what it was. And this is where they could get someone a horse, right? They got they got one horse, lots of 
Yeah, cows, one horse for this shot. Bunnies. Yeah. I mean, so many animals in this film, <laughs> and one ho- one person can ride a horse. That's it. <laughs> I love it. But coconuts. Beyond I, that, it's great. I'm really um, intrigued and minorly concerned as to whether the cow is like an actual dead cow or whether it's like a model or what it is. Because <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh no, all this this, this coconut stuff beyond being. You know, very funny that that you know that they're just galloping themselves. I'm like, oh, it's a stand against animal cruelty in film, or you know, something like that. Oh, nope, nope, <laughs> guess yeah. not. It's just expensive to have a lot of horses mm-hmm. and use them. <laughs> but what I find quite interesting, and I don't know where it would stand on a classic film like this, and you know, they could easily have got a cow corpse from like butchers or something. Mm-hmm. Um, is that here in the UK, the British Board of Film Classification, I don't know if it's the same with the MPAA or not, they will not give the film an age rating if animals have been harmed in the making of the film. Which huh. I think it's quite quite good. Um, I mean, obviously, you that you don't know how you know how small cages they're treated in or what happens there like on set, but if they have any concerns with it, then they won't pass an age rating on it, which I think is quite, quite good. Because, like... My whole family are quite big sort of activists for animal rights, so it's it's sort of a relief to not have to check after every film, you know, to just know that it's probably okay. Um, are animals allowed to be? I, I mean, do they have, talk. like, handlers and, and people on, on, on British sets for that as well? I mean, I don't know if those uh, are different Yeah, I, be- I believe so, yeah. Um, I can't believe we're talking about animal rights. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Squeeze out um, the juice of this. <laughs> so then we've got the um, I can't remember his name, the three-headed guard. Oh, hang on, we have got Brave Sir Robin before that. Sorry. Yeah. Brave, Brave Sir, Sir Robin's Robin. song is brilliant, mm-hmm. and I think I remember <laughs> most of it. Um, but I, I, I think that it is great, and it's so clearly like a studio recording that when he just stops in and asks him to shut up partway through, it's just great. <laughs> I think that's um. And then we've got the three-headed god. Does anyone catch the name of what that, of what they were called? The three. I don't remember him having a name. When I was watching it, I felt like they did, but I just only wrote three-headed god in my notes because I couldn't. Yeah. They might have had like individual names. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, then we've got the Sir Galahad at Castle Anthrax, which is. I was actually while I was watching it, I was going through a Monty Python <laughs> Facebook group I'm in, and someone has said that like they sh- they shared this film with their family, but like skipped that scene and that they skipped that yeah. scene. Every time. I don't think it's too bad, really. I mean, I think it's it's still like a little bit near the knuckle, but I mean, like, it's it's like sort of PG, isn't it? It's not too yeah. strong, really. It's passed at a twelve A here, and I think it's possibly PG thirteen for you. I'm not certain. Mm. It's it's definitely got a different tone to its humor, but I, I parts of it are great. like we're eight score young blondes and brunettes between sixteen and nineteen and a half. Like mm. he's so specific about what's available in this building. It's just a bunch of young women, and then they have weird names, yeah, like midget and crapper, yeah. <laughs> Doctor Piglet, and Zoot, yeah, Zoot and Dingo, um, her twin. But I mean, in the original script they were going to be completely naked oh. and they changed that 
Mm. I think that would have been a completely different term for the film. Um, <laughs> so this film's a PG in the States then. Huh. Yeah, I mean it was it was a bit jarring when you know, when they yeah. had the uh fourth wall break and were like, Oh well that's just a bunch of pussy jokes and I was just thinking like, Well it, but it but it wasn't <laughs> really it was just kind of like, Oh, all these pretty mm. ladies like that you know uh, you know, and then it got not even worse, but like more sexually pointed, I guess. I don't know. I was wondering whether I was when they made that comment. I was wondering whether I was just really naive to euphemisms and the entire scene. Yeah, was, me but too. I don't think there were. <laughs> no, there weren't really pussy jokes. No. <coughs> are you are you our resident expert for spotting out the euphemisms? <laughs> <laughs> spotting euphemisms. <laughs> Because I, I, I feel I would have no idea with a lot of these things. Because <laughs> I, I, I can be, like, really naive to some. Um, but yeah, I, that, now, that, they could have had think. some if they gave them names that fit, like, euphemism. If their names were euphemisms. Yeah, they weren't. It was, they were no big as dickus, is all I'm going to say. But midget and crapper? <laughs> no. I, I, I liked the whole, the whole idea... Of, of you know when he wanted I like the whole gag where he wanted to stay and he's like oh you know I could manage this myself and they just all the knights drag him out at the end I think that's yeah. quite that was quite humorous just, just um, a little peril it's but not the scene healthy wasn't really needed um, I I did quite like the gag where she sort of turned to the camera and and mm-hmm. sort of said you know I didn't think this was very good but I think it's one of our best scenes so and then yeah. everyone else get on with it yeah including characters we haven't mm-hmm. seen yet which yeah, is funny yeah. Yeah, I think that was quite good. Mm-hmm. And that row of... Are they supposed to be, like... They were supposed to be sort of Braveheart-esque, wasn't it? That that sort of row of people. The big crowd. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe. Oh, up on the hill, you mean? Yeah. 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 And, man, there were a lot of, a lot of actual t- women in this film, too. Just from, you know, watching Life of Brian and The Meaning of Life, of course. And just, you know, every woman is basically played by by a man and... It was interesting, refreshing, maybe even to see like a lot of a lot of women in this film that played women. Yeah, I think there's only there's only the actress who plays Judith in Life of Brian, who's like a lead, who's that too a woman. Yeah. I was gonna say his mother, but no, that's played right. by a guy. <laughs> yeah. And then in the, and then this one we have the old the old woman, or maybe Dennis. I don't know. So. <laughs> That's the only one, I think. Um, but yeah, I was quite surprised by the number of female casts in this one. Um, but I like the fact that still most of the main female roles are played by men, and I think that's mm-hmm. that's sort of their stuff. And I wonder, like, whether there'd be any complaints about that now. Like, it feels like one of the sort of things that people would kick up a fuss about somewhere. Possibly. <laughs> With the comedy troupe, it's almost it's almost more acceptable, like regardless of when. Like this is the seventies, so no one cared. But with a comedy troupe, you kind of expect them to be able to do it themselves, or you'd be like, "Why don't they get a female in their regular cast?" You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost almost Carol Shakespearean in a, a sense. Lot of yeah. Python. Yeah. But I think a lot of the comedy does rely in the um, cross dressing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Oh, sometimes, yeah. Um, but as I said, like Terry Jones just plays women so much that you do forget that it's Terry Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that great bit we'll discuss when we do Life of Brian, where yeah, who plays who plays Brian's mother? Me. 
That's Terry Jones. That's Terry Jones? Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's the one. Right? Yeah, I forgot it was, that it was the guy. There's the great bit which we'll discuss more when we get into Life of Brian, where it's at the stoning scene, where they actually have the jump from, you know, the, the men playing women playing men. <laughs> it's just uh-huh. quite... Yeah. I think that was incredibly well done there. Anyway, we're not doing Life of Brian, so... Done the Trojan Rabbit from Historian Brew. Um, nice, you say knee. Mm-hmm. Send Arthur for a shrubbery, which is just the the <laughs> oddest thing. And I love the idea of the knights who say knee. Um, and I'll admit, I think possibly the only laugh I had this time in the film was when they come back. And they're not the knights who say neither the knights who say like some other weird ni <laughs> peng and ni wam. Oh no, patang, patang. It was, you know, something like that. I I I tried to st- to write what they'd become, and then I was like, I gave up. I was just yeah. like, no. <laughs> I just called them the former knights who say ni. Yeah, that even when they said that, but, it almost kind of took me out of it a little bit in the sense that I just had memories of my own like improv scenes that I've been a part of where I could just imagine them. I know it wasn't actually improv allegedly, but basically just kind of the like, oh, now we're the Knights of Boom Boom Ba. You know, anything, you know, whatever comes to mind there. So it was interesting. It's another one of those where it's like, I don't know how they make it work. I wish, like, I could know as to how what anyone else would do would be stupid and yet they do it and it's yeah. actually like pretty hilarious. And you're like, oh yes, know. they're an improv troupe I don't know too. what their yeah. trick is. <laughs> they're an improv group. <laughs> no, oh, yeah, no, instantly I was like, oh yes, they are just an improv group that are like, oh, we're the knights of, uh, what I, you know, whatever. <laughs> Whose line is it anyway? Starring Monty Python. <laughs> yeah. We've got... Uh, a Gilliam animation. Well, we that. we get we see the, first, the police first. We see the police investigating Frank's death, the historian's death, then the animation, which is the oh, stairs yeah. and the the bouncing clouds Come. and stuff. Is the same animation. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, the clouds. Yeah. And I I like that we had the animation. I don't think there's so much animation in Brian. No, there's almost there's other than the Brian UFO the arriving. No, I don't think there's any. Then we've got the one day this will all be yours. What the curtains? I think that's. Uh, oh, and we meet the prince. Having that's brilliant. Been been to England a long time ago. I was excited on this one because this castle they use for the exterior is Bodian, and I've been there. <laughs> like, hey, I've been that place. Having lived in England, I've never been there, so you've got one up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, what I find great is the bit that's just afterwards when the guards just don't understand the whole thing about leaving him in there oh yeah (laughs) but that goes on for a while and like it somehow keeps your attention through it yeah it it starts out funny it becomes excessive and then it goes back to being funny because it just goes so long (laughs) and i've noticed that with uh there's a comedian called tim vine i don't know if either of you've heard of tim vine um he's a He's a comedian we've got here so, in no. England, and he does this thing called Pen Behind the Ear, where he just has a load of pens in a pot, and he just basically stands on stage until he can throw it and it'll land on his ear. 
and there's just music playing in the background just repeat of him saying pen behind the ear pen behind the and it goes on and i went to see him live and he, he did that for about <laughs> three three to five minutes of just him throwing a pen and not being able to catch it and like it, it's funny it gets boring and then it just yeah. becomes hilarious yeah it's the i think we, we call it in the improv world the rule of 33 where I know, you know, the, the rule of, of three is obviously, you know, I, I think the best one. But rule of 33, I think you can also call it like the family guy rule, I guess, too, where it's like it's so excessive. And, you know, even in, in the show Family Guy and you're like, all right, well, it's it's funny now. We went through it. Yeah. Like every every fight with the big chicken in Family yeah, Guy. Yeah, exactly. You've just got to make sure that your audience it has to go is, you know, as and invested enough to be able to go through it i suppose because I, th- I, don't, I don't think you'd be well, able at this to do point that. we're like halfway through yeah, the movie I don't think you'd so be able to do like your you know rule of 33 at the start of the film right like, i feel right. like you know they, they don't have well, they almost did with the subtitles <laughs> that's true yeah actually. yeah that subtitle thing takes a while yeah okay so we have no idea how python work and how they're somehow good <laughs> at all these <laughs> at all these things that should be awful um so then we've got the prince sends the message and lancelot comes to save the prince <laughs> we thought it was a princess yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like the whole although I thought, herbert may be named alice so who knows <laughs> I, I like that it is the whole thing where it's like oh i thought it was i thought it was a woman and the the, the king's just like yeah fair enough <laughs> it's just quite the, yeah. <laughs> At first, I was losing track, and I like forgot what his dad looked like. So I was like, "Oh, he shot the message," and then his dad got it, and was like, "Oh no, I have to go rescue this person." And you know, it, like I just I don't know why in my head I was like, "Wait a second, <laughs> I can't figure, I can't I figure think... out who's who." But and this, I mean, that would have been funny as well too. <laughs> it was just like, "Wait, Are a they message? Both Michael Let Palin? me save him." <laughs> Are they both Ready Michael Palin himself? in that scene? I can't remember oh. who's, who plays. Oh, maybe, maybe that's why. I'm not sure, but then I'm wondering mm-hmm. whether it is or not because that'd be quite a lot of time and investment into having them both on screen at the same time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It might be. They might. They might be both Michael Palin. That would explain a lot. Um, King of Swamp Castle is Michael Palin. Yeah, and he was Lancelot. But it's Lancelot, though. No, Lancelot is John Cleese. Oh, okay. So it isn't both Michael Palin, never mind. Uh, no excuse. <laughs> you know the funniest thing in the sequence that I noticed see, watching the movie this time? When he's killing all the people out in like the courtyard, there's a band playing. Mm. The guy playing like the fiddle on the side is does not have a bow in his hand, but he's <laughs> pretending to play like he has one. Oh my gosh. And he just keeps moving his arm back and forth, and there's nothing in his hand. Oh my gosh. Even when he gets knocked down, he just starts moving his arm again. And I'm like, what is you? He's so small on the screen. I'm like, did he think he was center, like center frame? And so he wanted to be doing something stupid. Like that is wonderful. I think that's great to have stuff in the background though. Um, yeah. Like, I have no idea who that is, but he's having fun. It's like, it's like sort of a Zucker film, really. I know, you know, with like the naked gun and airplane and stuff, there's so many things going on in the background. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you don't really have that so much with Python, I don't think so. Not not really an I Easter egg I, kind of movie. Maybe it was just one person who thought he'd have a laugh. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. 
Or he literally forgot his bow, and they're like, the camera's far away, just pretend. Mm-hmm. It could be that, actually. Um, and then we've got the former knights who... Oh, sorry. No, we haven't. Um, then we've got the prince starts to sing of how he was Roger saved. Roger the shrubber. And then he gets cut out. Oh, yeah, yeah. After he's fallen from the tower, sorry. He falls from the tower. He sings about how he was Which saved. Which we never get to him singing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. And I can't remember whether he sings in Spam a lot or not. I think he might do. Oh, yeah. Um, was he, was then, he played by someone who was, like, a, a good singer? Was that part of the, like, like no, we're not going to let our best singer or what our worst singer sing in this? Or, or did that not have any significance? I didn't recognize him at all. He was playing the prince. Hmm. Just having a look now. It, it could very clearly it could be one of the pythons and I just haven't noticed I don't know is he just called what's he called Prince Herbert oh it's Herbert Terry Jones or Alice <laughs> Herbert slash I, Alice I didn't realize <laughs> I didn't I did not realize it was Terry Jones I thought he was a completely different actor huh huh well yeah with the the pale hair and the light like makeup all over make his skin really white he didn't he didn't look, look a lot like like it was anyone who'd been in the film before that's that's incredible, that, right? Yeah. I like how he was like, well, mo- mother, father, Alice, Herbert. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. Then we've got the Knights Who Say Knee. Uh, oh, sorry, first Arthur says knee to an old woman in order to get a strawberry. Yeah. Yeah. And they meet Roger the Shrubber. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, and here I, here I wrote down the knee thing. Oh, you did? Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, the iki 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 patang zoo boing aruza. <laughs> then um, the former knights who say knee. So, unless I just call on you every time we need to mention the knights who say knee now. <laughs> <laughs> um, then the knights who say... Iki, 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 patang, zoo, boing, aruza. Send him for another shrubbery and ask him to try and cut down a tree with a herring. I think that, I think I laughed at that as well, actually. It was just sort of, why? And also, why is that funny? I really, I wanted to see it done. I was like, I'm, I'm ready for this riddle. I want to see how that would play out. I gotta use that in D and D. Like the challenge is cut down a tree with a herring. <laughs> they have to figure out how to do it. I wish there was like a not, a not a cut scene, like a deleted scene of just like him just <laughs> whacking away with a herring. Um. Then we've got uh, they defeat the knights by saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love the whole sort of background dialogues happening. It's like, oh, he said it again. Oh, I said it. Oh, no, I've said it three times. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's three it's. <laughs> at first, I thought that the word was can't. Because like, at, at first, yeah. he kept saying, you know, can't. And then it was like, oh, no, they're not saying it anymore. And then I was reading that, you know, they'd obviously been saying it so many times. But I guess it's like a hallmark of the Monty Python comedy where only when it's you know good for the good for the sketch good for the moment 
do they kind of invoke the rule? So that's really funny. That's cool. Then we've got the knights meet Tim the Enchanter. Um, so yeah, I think th- this is when I actually was looking. Um, just really quick, when I was looking at the people's shields, because I kind of noticed them along mm. the way, but you finally see them all standing out in this together. And it, they're really weird because Bedivere's hit the tree is upside down on his shield and his his coat of arms. Arthur's like has a sun on his, but it has a mustache. And what was the other one that was weird? Oh, Robin's uh, thing is a chicken, that because it is uh, what's called sinister, it is running away, technically, because it's running to the left. So, brave Sir Robin has a chicken running away on his shield. Like that's pretty good. And apparently the, the like oh they call me Tim was not an ad lib. I guess according to. John Cleese said last year that nothing was improvised, so I was a little surprised yeah. because I, you know, obviously it's a famous story that the well they call me Tim was because he forgot what name that he was supposed to be. So interesting either way. I'm not I'm not sure if I buy that from him, but okay. Skype just said Luke left. <gasps> Hello, sorry, I don't know. Ah, what's happened to my? Oh, there he is. <laughs> there I'm just ah, I turned off my ah. Sorry, my internet's just vanished. I'm going to have a very quick check to see if my recording's saved. Um, And then I'll carry on. If not, we're at like 56 minutes. So if you want to jump forward on mic, I can send you my backup. um, What's today's date? The 20th. Um, Right. I'll just search it up on my files. That's never happened when I've been recording, I don't, don't think. I've had the call end abruptly, but I've never had it because my internet's just vanished. Um, 2019, 0820, I've got it. Um, the question may be of whether I... Do you mind if I hang up this call now and then restart a call? Because I feel like I muted? might not be recording. I'm gone again. Just then cut him off again. Yeah. Well, we're taking over this pod. No, I'm just kidding. That's right. We got it. So then Tim tells right, the and then Tim, <laughs> and then Timothy. Yeah. yeah, Luke is not privy to this conversation. Quick side, quick sidebar in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> He'll come back and edit it later. He's like, "What did I say about me?" <laughs> I hear him. I hear something. What? I just want him to come back in and we're like, and then the police arrest them and it's over. Yeah. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Podcast over. We finished speaking about the rest of the movie. We finished. Yeah, we're done. So, um, they then We're talking about Tim. We got, to, got Tim. to Tim, and if it if it was an improvised line or not, apparently John Clue said last year that it wasn't like that. Nothing in this film was was improv improved. So I don't know. I think the what they call me Tim thing. I don't know if the stories are true or not. I guess. 
Um, I saw a pop Funko of Tim the Enchanter recently when I was around town. What? <laughs> which I thought was kind of interesting. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad... I, I've actually managed to resist buying any pop Funkos. <laughs> like, every time I see one I really want to buy, I'm like practically taking it to the checkout, and I'm like, nah, I won't spend the really? money on it. And so... Yeah. I'm I'm really tempted by the community ones that have just been released for Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. I only I only I only have one and so my friend was like, Oh what which one do you have? And I said, Juliet and he's like, From what? And I'm like, Romeo and Juliet <laughs> That's the huh. only one I have. <laughs> I I have three, but two of them were given to me. The only one I bought is Michael oh. Myers. It sits by my Like computer. Austin Powers Michael Myers or Michael Myers Michael <laughs> No, Myers? Michael Myers from Halloween because oh. <laughs> I do Michael Myers minute. Um, I nearly bought the 16 Candles one because I've just it's my favorite John Hughes movie. <laughs> and I I like saw that they were available online and I was at like a comic con and I asked them if they've got any of them and I just pulled out like three or four of them and I so close to buying them and I didn't. I think it's because I'm a cheapskate and almost all of my money is spent on DVDs and I know places where I can get DVD for like 50p so when I'm spending £10 on a figure it just feels a bit of a waste. This is a bit of a non sequitur but it just occurred to me with like the emoji film and Angry Birds at what point are we going to have a Funko Pop movie? Is it bad that I would not be against it at all? (laughs) (laughs) If We have emoji pillows now. We have like literally emoji pillows like that's you know wow. the emoji the emoji movie was so awful Ugh. that i lost my attention in the cinema yeah. started randomly thinking about stuff and gave myself a panic attack thinking about something else because oh of God. how bored i was during <laughs> the emoji movie and i had to like walk out and just like you know calm down because of how bored i was <laughs> robert you just posted something on, on facebook like which one what movie did you walk out of i'm still like in my yeah. head what did I, like, not fit? I know there was something. I started, I'm like, I'm not finishing this. I don't know what it... Well, I, in theaters, I never walk out of mm-hmm. movies. Like, I saw the Emoji movie and I stayed there. I saw the first Angry Birds movie and hated it. But I stuck it there out. There aren't many films I go to the cinema to see anyway, because it's so pricey. I tend to wait for the DVD. But I think the Emoji movie was, mm-hmm. like, the last year I could go under Kids Club, where it's, like, £2.50 each if you're a kid. And I was like, you know... I, I basically... I basically just persuaded my family and I was like, you know what, this film's going to be awful but let's go and see it. And mm-hmm. the, the sad thing was that they just found it okay and I think that's worse than bad because at least you get entertainment out of it being bad. <laughs> James Corden used to be good. What's happened? I love James Corden. I just feel like a lot of his American stuff, Like I, I like bits of his chat show but it's just the American chat mm-hmm. shows are so much more scripted than the UK ones. Um, oh, you guys have Graham Norton, right? Oh, that's great to watch on on YouTube and stuff. Graham Norton yeah. and Alan Carr both get their guests like tipsy while they're interviewing <laughs> them, and I think there's a sort of technique in that. Um, but um, like I really like James Corden when he did Gavin and Stacey. I don't know if that made its way to America or not, but that was great. No, I wish I've never heard of that. He wrote this like sitcom, and he played like the best friend in it he co-wrote this show called Gavin and Stacey where it was about like two people who dated online or like over the phone it was quite an old show so it might have been over the phone or online mm-hmm. and they meet up for the first time and it's just like their relationship and it's like it's very British comedy but it's so good and that finished about 10 years ago and they're coming back for a Christmas special this year 
And I'm just so shocked and glad that James Corden's like coming back to the UK to record a, a special for a BBC Two like comedy show <laughs> for Christmas, which I think is going to be great. Hmm. I'm trying to think who else was in it, but I don't know if any of them were well known or not. But I think there might have been an American remake of Gavin and Stacey. Um, let's see if I can find it. Let's see, yeah, I'm gonna look too. Well, we ha- we did have a sitcom called Ned and Stacy, but it's unrelated. It was her. Uh, Robert, are you aware at oh, all wow, of Gavin and Stacy? Oh he's like Stacey a baby or? in this. Show. I've heard of Gavin and Stacy. I don't. I was looking it up because I'm not sure if I've ever seen it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm like, who's cast on this? It's wow, called James Corden. Looks like a child. That's crazy. See, that's the that's how we in Britain know James Corden mostly. I think. He did that, and he did a film called The History huh. Boys. Um, it was called Us and Them, the American remake. Is it? No. Is oh. Joanna Page the one oh. from Love Actually? No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm not making that up. Okay. And she was in Doctor Who as well. She played Elizabeth I. Mm. Ah. Yes. Not so Welsh. <laughs> 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 But yeah, I think yeah. Gavin and Stacey did like pretty well in the UK, and people are really excited about the remake. Not the remake, the new episode. But I was reading that Four Weddings and a Funeral is getting a remake. Yeah, it did. It's. I think it's a, a sh- remake. I think it's a show on Netflix yeah. now, or a movie on Netflix. Oh, that's that's not as bad. One or the other, I don't know. But, but it's, it's con- like it's confusing yeah. me that there's twelve episodes. It seems logical for there to be five. <laughs> That's just yeah. Funny. I've never. I, have I even <laughs> seen that movie? I don't think I've even seen the movie. I think. Oh, I think Richard Curtis is like exec producer on one of the episodes of Four Weddings. So at least the fact that like Richard Curtis is involved slightly is enough for me to be loosely interested in the show. Yeah, it's a what? It's a romantic drama, comedy, com- drama. Definitely, well, it's it's a comedy. It's, oh, okay. Yeah. I, but it is also very dramatic yeah. in parts of it, and really sad in part of it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I, I have a massive soft spot for anything Richard Curtis. Like, I was, mm-hmm. I was interviewed for local radio recently, and they were like, oh, so you do film podcasts and make films. Like, who's your favorite screenwriter? And I said, Richard Curtis, and he laughed. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, what? Yeah. And I was like... <laughs> Because like I think there's a difference between watching stuff and being like, wow, that's a piece of art, and then watching something which you find yeah. actually entertaining. Mm-hmm. And like, I will sit down any day and watch the Richard Curtis thing. Like he did a great, yeah. he he wrote a great sitcom with Dawn French called The Vicar of Dibley. Mm-hmm. And I've been, we basically we had a caravan holiday last week and we like binged through almost all of The Vicar of Dibley in like two days, which is fine for a British show really. We don't have many episodes. <laughs> But I think any man who wrote The Vicar of Dibley, Mr. Bean, Blackadder, Notting Hill, Four Weddings... Oh, Mr. Love Bean. Actu- so, like, actually... so he wrote, like, Johnny English then as well? Or no, I don't no, know if it's the same actor, but... He didn't do Johnny English, no. But he also did, you know, Love Actually about time. He founded Comet Relief. Yeah. He did yeah. Yesterday. He wrote Vincent he wrote, and yeah, the Doctor. And Vincent and the Doctor is amazing. Like, this man is just a genius. <laughs> and, yeah, so I... Vincent the Doctor was like my favourite Doctor Who episode for ages and it wasn't until recently that I was like oh hang on it's also written by my favourite writer this makes sense <laughs> we were talking about Monty Python a while ago weren't we that's yeah 
I'm, I'm, I'm Googling what a caravan holiday is right now because I'm thinking like a, a Dodge <laughs> caravan. <laughs> you went on a trip in a van? I don't... What? It's more like a mobile home, okay. right? Okay. A caravan. Yeah. Yeah. You, and, but this is like a stationary caravan. So it's like a little... It's like a small cabin. We had a small cabin near the sea mm. in Wales. But you still call it a caravan? We still call it a caravan. I don't know why. We call it a stationary caravan. I'm, just, I'm <laughs> laughing because I'm thinking like a car that doesn't move, and that just sounds so Monty Python to me. <laughs> it <that> does. Like... <laughs> Let's get to the end of the film. Okay, okay. I got it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going I'm to keep on laughing. Continue. <laughs> um... I really hope this is interesting to listen to, as, or at least ask as much as it is to talk. <laughs> anyway, um, we've got uh, Tim the Enchanter takes into a cave guarded by a rabbit. And I've just realised how much hand gestures I'm doing for an audio-only thing. Right, he takes them to a cave guarded by a rabbit, and the rabbit attacks one of the knights. Mm-hmm. They then use the holy hand grenade against it. And I think... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just going to speed through some of these. You get the great instructions yeah. on how to they, use the holy grain. And they couldn't get the dye out of the rabbit's fur, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, the holy grail is said to be in the castle of Ah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> then, they, then they get attacked by the animated black beast. And then the beast yeah. dies as the animator suffers a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> was, there something clear, was there something clearly written? On the cave, was that part of... I feel like I missed something there, like, that it said, like, some other... Like, blatantly said some other message on there. Like, to the to the viewers, or no. Maybe, maybe I, th- maybe I, I was I think wrong. it was... No, it was no. It a different language. It was like... Oh, okay. Okay, I thought yeah. it said, like, you know, end of the movie, or, you know, something. Blatant. It's the animator dies, and I love the fact that it is Terry Gilliam that they show shot off, who does the animator. <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, then we've got... Um, they cross the bridge of death. They have to each answer three questions yeah. first. I think that <laughs> that's the bit I remember. Um, what is your name? What is your quest? What is your favorite color? Mm-hmm. I love that the one guy gets the color wrong. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, yellow. In all fairness, someone asked me recently what my favorite color is. Like, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I'm too old to have favorite colors. That's what I say. I mean, would, would that would that get you thrown off the bridge? Is the question. No, I would just say black. <laughs> no, I'd, and I'd say hot pink. If my life my, depended on it, I'd answer the question. Favorite. You gotta like, you know, the, the problem with getting older is no one asks you what your favorite dinosaur is either. So I'm prepared. My favorite color, <laughs> favorite dinosaur, everything. Nice. Um. So then we have the three people survive, and then we get the intermission. Well, you, first you got to remember the swallow thing oh, yes. comes back up from earlier. The swallow thing. Which is good. I, I, like, I like the idea that it is that his... That because he doesn't know, he gets flung off as well. <laughs> I think that's... Yeah. It's it's so... I, it's, I think Pythonesque is a word in the English dictionary. Potentially. Yeah. I so. Which I think is good because that is the only way I could describe this. Um, then we've got uh, Lancelot is arrested the two others take a boat to the castle <laughs> the French are in the castle and then they decide to run away and they get attacked by a line of knights 
uh, before they get arrested and the film ends. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, and it lingers on a black screen. Yeah, did you guys stick, no did you guys stick through music. all of that? I did this time, yeah. All of what? The black screen with the music at the end. The black screen. Oh. No, I mean, with Netflix, it kind of just, like, it gives up. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, it tells you to put on yeah. the next trailer. I'm like, no, I'm not like, doing no, that. Like, no, not Orange the, is the new black, isn't the next thing. But, yeah, I was... I think I started, like, checking Twitter or Instagram or something while it was happening, but I was... Because I was aware that it was just the black screen, but I also sort of felt like I had to watch the entire film. Yeah. Um, well, the, the the opening credits kind of did with the close. I mean, obviously they were jokey, obviously, but they they had more than what normal opening credits have anyway. In like, you know, who did what? So I don't. I mean, they sort of kind of took took the place anyway, where you didn't necessarily. What's well, also to- what years is seventy five? So your end credits weren't required to have so much as like they would have oh, now anyway. Okay. So this is a choice to put like that many credits on the mm-hmm. front and a black screen on the back. Uh, so what are your final thoughts on Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Mm. I really liked the intrusion of the police this time. Yeah. I think that was one of those things that I wasn't sure about like the first time I saw part of the movie and then when I first saw the whole thing. And now like as soon as they showed up I'm like, "Oh yeah." This is, it's such a stupid aside that comes but out like, of nowhere and then affects the actual yeah, end of like, the movie. I like that structurally it sort of works because you see the policeman throughout the whole film. Yeah, you keep yeah, seeing and, them. Yeah, and it just it you know first time watching it, it doesn't really ring as anything important, and I think that's brilliant. Right, I've described a lot of things as brilliant this episode. I think, uh, but I think the the weird thing about this movie is, I mean, it's been a while since the first time I saw it is. The first time you see it, it's not as good because it's so many weird asides. Mm-hmm. There's really funny, memorable things, but it's actually better seeing it again because you know some of what matters. Like Dennis walks by during Sir Robin's story and he's still talking about like government systems. Mm-hmm. And it's he, he's not part of the scene. He's just walking past. And it's funny because now you remember that who that guy is. The first time you don't think to remember him. And I, because everything I just liked, goes away. I I liked the picture for the sir not appearing in this film. Like it was a it was a yeah, baby, wasn't one, it? Someone's yeah. baby. It was. What's it's one, one of their babies, the, right? Babies, yeah. That's so funny. Um, um, but yeah, no, I I agree. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's the same thing um, with seeing it the second time is is definitely better. I think, especially as I've gotten older, and so I hear you know this. These these lines, these memes, these all these different different things. It's obviously made it more iconic. I think, and and I, I know this is very weird to say because this is literally how movies are, where it's kind of that sort sort of snaking plot. Because I think at at first you're like, oh, it's just going to be um, totally blanking on the first two guys with the with the quote-unquote horses but basically you know traveling around almost like traveling around from comedy sketch to comedy sketch that's what I almost I kind of thought I know it's kind of bizarre because that's like what scenes in a movie are but like like a plot in between comedy sketches but like Mm -hmm. I, I think that's kind of weirdly the only way to really 
describe it, and so you kind of have to like it in 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 pieces. I don't know. That's kind of interesting. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. And I've just remembered that I have the segment on my show, which I forgot about, which is the how would you retitle uh, this film? Yeah. Oh my gosh. On short notice, I don't know exactly what I'd retitle it, but I think I'd do something about coconuts Ooh. or a, something with the the, un, the unladen swallow. Yeah. Because, but that's more about recognition after the fact of what we remember. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that that's true. Yeah, we, a title that only makes sense after you've seen the after you've seen the film. Monty Python's Swallow or, or History for Schools. <laughs> history for Schools. I, take eight. I like the idea. It feel it'll feel very Pythonesque for it to be Monty Python's History for Schools. Like I feel like Ooh. that. Yeah. You know, you've got like meaning of life. Well, and then they could have done a series of them too. It wasn't. I feel like there was a TV series of history. That was done by one of the Python members, and I can't think who it was. I'm not certain. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, I might be completely wrong and got it mixed up with someone else, but like a Python version of Drunk History. That's exactly what I was thinking because we have the meaning of life. So I was gonna say like not meaning of history, but like you know true history or you know something like that. Yeah, yeah something almost, uh, almost Bill and Ted. Excellent adventure, <laughs> kind of, kind of real history-wise. Okay, so where can our listeners find you both? Oh my goodness! Right, go ahead, Robert. Preferably on social. List. Preferably uh, on social media, not in person, yeah. I suppose. But yeah, yeah. I don't know where they can find you. Me can in listen to me in my, my own house. home. Come um, over to my apartment. Damn it, no. <laughs> Online, you can find me at lemmingdrops.com. You'll find links to all my podcasts. Or if you want to hear me rant about politics, you can follow me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, uh, Robert E.G. Black, where I talk about politics and Minecraft and D&D and movies. All right. So you can find me on Facebook, Alice Lauren. Lauren spelled L-A-U-R-E-N. Um, and just make sure that you... If, if you request me that you message me first and, and tell me where you heard me. And my Twitter is Alimez, A-L-I-M-E-Z-H. And just ask me about any of the podcasts that I've guested on. And I'll just I'll send them to you. <laughs> and our listeners can find me on Twitter at Llama underscore Bottle Zero. I, it's a long story. They can find any of my content at lukeallen.co.uk you can find the podcast on most podcast platforms please be seated on Facebook or on Twitter at please be tweeted um, so thank you both for joining me to discuss Holy Grail and our listeners can tune in tomorrow to hear us our discussions on Monty Python's Life of Brian which probably we may have talked more about in this episode than the next one <laughs> <laughs> We're ready to go, but yeah, thank you for having us. Please Be Seated is a Luke Allen podcast. For more podcasts, appearances and short films, visit lukeallen.co.uk.